When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, the last time the home fans saw their Buffalo Bills play a meaningful game, they were routing the New England Patriots, just scoring at will, stopping everything from the Patriots. And we basically just saw an extension here at Highmark Stadium tonight. We are here right after the game, post-game at Sal Capaccio, along with Matt Bove, WKBW-TV Channel 7 Sports Director. It's always game day in Buffalo. Matt, uh, I just said to you before we started, I think the only team that can beat this team is themselves. Granted, they have a tough game next week we can talk about, but... I mean, once again, they show that they why are they they are the Super Bowl favorites and considered the best team in the league. This was not a bad team. This was the number one seed in the AFC last year. They put up 41 points on the team that had the best record in the AFC coming off of a week when they dominated the team that won the Super Bowl. And I know things don't always translate from year to year. And we don't know. Maybe the Titans are overrated. I think they are. Maybe the Rams are overrated. But it's not like these teams are bottom of the barrel. These teams are teams that had big expectations, but nobody had bigger expectations than the Bills, and I think we're seeing why. 34 unanswered points. This game was 7-7 at one point, and it looks like they were, you know, the Titans were going to take a lead, and the Bills were just kind of like, no, stop, get out of here, and then they scored 34 points. 34 points through two quarters, by the way. It was 7-7 after the first. Mm -hmm. Then it was... 30, it was 41-7 at the end of the third quarter. I mean, they didn't even need the fourth quarter. By then, backups were in, and the team was um, just routing them. So let's start with, obviously, the unfortunate and horrible news about Dane Jackson. We all saw it. Uh, Dane Jackson going down uh, with a neck injury. Now, reports as we sit here tonight, Monday night after the game, late, Dane Jackson at ECMC being evaluated for neck injury, has full movement as in, as in his extremities, and that's the best news we could have. Yeah. 
Uh, X-rays, CT scans, we don't have anything further, but man, we all hope he's okay. Absolutely. This is bigger than football. This is one of those things when it happens, you're just scared for Dane, the person, not Dane, the football player. You're not thinking how long are the Bills going to be without this guy? It's when can this guy get healthy? When can this guy get out of the hospital? Because that's how bad it was. Now, the promising signs here are one, that there is movement in the extremities, and two, Sean McDermott told us after the game today that he was able to have a quick conversation with Dane while he was still in the ambulance before last at halftime. So the ambulance had not left yet by halftime. Sean went into the tunnel, saw the ambulance, apparently was able to go in and have a quick conversation. I don't know how quick it was, whatever was said, he didn't say that. But the fact that that conversation, I think, happened is probably at least a little bit of a promising sign. Obviously, we're not doctors here. We don't know what the next steps are. We're just hoping for Dane, the person, that he recovers quickly and that, you know, he can get out of the hospital because, of course, that's very scary. Yeah, and the scene in the stadium was unfortunately reminiscent of when Kevin Everett was hurt in 2009, I believe. And, um, you know, there was obviously a lot of silence. The, the medical staff was out on the field with him. The uh, ambulance was out there. And, you know, it, it really... It was pretty frightening to be inside the stadium to see something like that happen. And unfortunately, it wasn't the only time that happened because Micah Hyde was also down on the field. Now, obviously, he didn't go off in an ambulance, but it was also a neck injury for Micah Hyde. The good news there was he walked off the field, went into the medical tent, came out. But then the unfortunate news is he was put onto a cart. He sat down in the cart. He went into the locker room. He's being evaluated also for a neck injury. So another quick update on him is after the game, we talked to Jordan Poyer and Jordan said that he texted Micah and asked how he was doing. And Micah said that he's doing all right. Now he didn't expand on it any further than that. But the fact that Micah is saying that he's all right is, I guess, maybe something to latch onto given the severity of neck injuries. Once again, we don't know how this plays out. It's a short week for the bills, but good sign that you know, he was able to respond to Poyer and said that he's doing okay. So on top of the major injuries that, you know, obviously are the scary kinds with the neck injuries. And every time you talk about that, you don't know what those long-term prognosis could be. The Bills got some other guys banged up. Now, one return to the game, that was Mitch Morris. And it was actually his snapping elbow, his right elbow. He, um, he, he described it to me like he hyperextended it when I was in the locker room with him. Um, but he came back in the game. But late in the game, <clears throat> they lost two other players who didn't return. Matt Milano had a stinger. It happened, I believe, on the play where he just dropped the running back. It was a great hit after his pick six. And then Jordan Phillips hurt his hamstring. I believe that happened on Matt Milano's pick six. He was actually running down the field, and he pulled up lame. He actually fell down to the ground. You hope they're both okay. Matt was on the sidelines afterwards. Looked like he was even joking around with his linebacker teammates, which is great news. I think that you know the, the blowout played into the fact that he didn't come back in the game, but he also was kind of declared out. He wasn't going back in. And Jordan Phillips, obviously, you know, you hope he's going to be okay. But all of these issues could add up for this team who, you know, obviously have some really important games coming up. Yeah, and it's not just the guys who were injured in this game. It was the guys that were injured going into this game. We're talking about Gabe Davis. He wasn't able to play at Oliver, Tim Settle. If you have an injury to Jordan Phillips, now all of a sudden you're down three defensive tackles. Like, that's a concern. And then, of course, Dane Jackson and Mike Hyde in the secondary with an already out Trey White. Like, now you're leaning on next week. Christian Benford and Kyrie Elam to try and shut down Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill, which is a really big task, especially if Micah Hyde isn't able to go. And we don't know that yet. Like these are very, very preliminary conversations. We're recording this a little after midnight right now. So we'll get injury updates later on in the week here. But the injuries are kind of the sidebar story to what was just the absolute domination from the Bills, really on both sides of the ball. 
Yeah, no doubt. And we, we should talk about that domination. The Bills win 41-7. to uh, The injuries are going to take center stage, I think, throughout the week. We'll try to update you as much as we can. Next time we talk to you, we'll have more of an update on that. But we'll have to see how all of that progresses. So let's get to the game itself. 41-7, to the Bills beat the Tennessee Titans. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 41 points, and it feels like they left some meat on the bone. How ridiculous is that, that this team can score 41 points in that they could, you know, have some slip-ups here and there? I mean, we saw a punt, so it wasn't that good. I mean, come on. The one time they punted, they got the ball back. <laughs> it was unbelievable. No, they punted twice. Well, I mean, the first time. The first time they punted, they got the ball back. And then the first time they blitzed, they got a sack. It, first time they blitzed all year. Somebody asked McDermott after the game, like, hey, are you going to start punting more, given how it actually turned out? And he just kind of smirked and was like, we'll see what happens. Um, I really wish they would have went for it in the first situation, so then they didn't punt. But then the fact that it was muffed and then they recovered it made it, like, that much more ridiculous that it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, this team can do no wrong at this point. They're just not good. Yeah, and, and I'll say um, – it, 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 they still were sloppy in some areas, especially short yardage, right? I mean, I think to me the biggest negative takeaway from this game is the short yardage situations, third and short, fourth and short, against a team where that is what cost you the win last year in Tennessee. I kept thinking, like, oh, my God, please don't let this be a story that this happens two years in a row. And, of course, they played so well outside of that, but that was the only blemish. So to what you just said, they left meat on the bone? Yeah, I mean, Matt – you go back to last week, they put the ball in the Rams' hands a few times. You go to this week, they don't convert on these third and shorts and fourth and shorts, and yet here they are winning 31, 20 by 21 points, 31-10, and then here 41-7. to It's pretty remarkable. I think, again, the only team that can stop the Buffalo Bills right now is the Buffalo Bills. And I also want to point out, and we're going to talk about Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs in a second, but they kind of did this today without any semblance of a threat on the ground. Like... James Cook got a bunch of garbage yards. He ended up with 53 yards on 11 attempts. That was all basically in the fourth quarter. He had a 33-yard run, so like that is a bulk of the carries. But look at these other numbers. Devin Singletary had 19 yards. Zach Moss, 17 yards. Josh Allen, 10 yards. Case Keenum, 2 yards. So when we look at those guys who saw action kind of in the first three quarters when this was still a game, were Singletary 19, Moss 17, Allen 10, and they scored 41 points. So every time that we hear you need to be able to run the ball, I think there's some truth to that a little bit. I think you're more dynamic when you can do both, obviously, because you still want to be a threat to run the ball. But like this team doesn't have to run the ball to be successful. When Josh Allen has the ball, he's their best player. Stefan Diggs is probably their second best player. Get the ball in those guys' hands as much as humanly possible. It clearly worked tonight. Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen are... It's, it's wild that the Bills have these two guys on their team. 
it's almost unfair. I mean, that they how good they are together. And I thought tonight, just from the sideline view, Matt, from being down there myself, I really thought that he could throw the ball and get a completion to Stefan Diggs almost every single play because those young corners couldn't cover him. No. I mean, they just couldn't cover him. McCreary and Farley were just, they're out of their league trying to cover what Josh Allen could do with Stefan Diggs. Let's look, look at Allen's numbers. 26 of 38 for 317. He had maybe on the broadcast, Murph and Eric Wood were saying maybe the pass to Kumar was the worst pass of his career. The one that he missed on the short on the short one. Other than that, that was really his only hiccup. 26 of 38, 317. Um, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Just an outstanding day. He's so fun. He's so good to watch. And again, even when one doesn't go right, the next one, you know, it doesn't matter. It could be third and 12, third and eight, third and five, second and 10. Josh is going to make a pass. And what he did to Stefan Diggs tonight, it was just fun to watch Josh Allen. And the thing that's so impressive about him is that he can do it so many different ways. Like last week, it was all about like these quick little passes to make sure that the ball was out of his hands super fast. And we saw some of that today, but we also saw him stretch the field a little bit more. We saw him do some different things and he also did it with a complement of receivers that, you know, wasn't their full unit. Like, no Gabe Davis is a big deal. Like, I know that Gabe Davis is still a young, emerging player and that they have a ton of other weapons, but having not, n- not having him is a blow. So, also shout out Jay Kumaro. He only caught two passes, but he had 50 yards on the two catches that he had. So, that was really impressive. Dawson Knox, a little bit more involved. He had 41 yards. So, I think that's probably a little bit more kind of like the standard. And Reggie Gilliam. Like how far this team has come when Reggie Gilliam had his touchdown. Really nice play. The fact that they're calling screen passes to a fullback and it works for a touchdown. Well done, Ken Dorsey. But at one point, Josh threw him a deep ball and it was just a little overthrown. It hit Gilliam's hands, but he wasn't able to bring it back. And I immediately thought of the Patrick Tamarco streak in Houston running down the field. I know what you're talking about. I thought the same thing. And I was just like, how far this team has come. Like that was like seriously a thing because they didn't have any better options today. It was a thing because they have so many options that they're trying to be able to catch a defense off guard. So like even without Gabe Davis, they still have a lot of weapons. Now that doesn't mean for all of the Odell Beckham watchers out there. Apparently he tweeted about the bills like three times again tonight. So clearly he's still watching maybe where there's smoke, there's fire, but still like, when Josh Allen's the quarterback, you're going to make the weapons around you better. But they also did some help for him today. They did all this without Gabe Davis, as you point out, right? And and by the way, really kind of without Khalil Shakir, who I thought would be the guy that would step in, two targets, zero catches, zero yards. Khalil Shakir still hasn't caught an NFL pass, yet they still do all of this with D- Diggs, Knox getting involved. Jake Kumaro, what? I mean, Jake Kumaro catching a deep ball. Jake Kumaro involved in the offense. Like, he not, not only in the pat, in the running game as a blocker, but Jake Kumaro, another guy who kind of steps up. How about that that run by Reggie Gilliam? What an athlete this guy is. He catches the ball, the run after catch, I should say, and then another catch and run later. This is why they gave him a contract extension a couple weeks ago. The pride of the Mac. That's, <laughs> I love it. That's Maction at its finest, playing on Monday Night Football. Toledo rocket getting into the end zone, but no Reggie Gilliam is such an important piece for this offense. We were talking about this so many times during training camp, like, wow, is he going to make the team? And then he goes out and he gets a contract extension. It's obviously it's worth it. He does so many things for them in the run game, but he also provides them some position flexibility. And one of the things with this game is they had Dawson active and they also had 
Quentin Morris active. They didn't have Tommy Sweeney active. And one of the luxuries that they have is because they've got Gilliam, he's kind of like a little bit of a do everything. He can be a running back. He can be a tight end. He can be a wide receiver. He can be a fullback. So I think that gives them the option of just having two tight ends active on a normal week because they have him. Well, it was a game where I think everybody kind of had a helping hand in one way or another. And of course, Stefan Diggs, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about him a little bit specifically. I mean, I know what Tyreek Hill's doing in Miami. I know what Jalen Waddle's doing in Miami. I know how great Cooper Cup is and Justin Jefferson and all of these guys. You can make an argument that Stefan Diggs is the best receiver in the NFL. And I know last year was a little bit of a down statistical year compared to maybe the year before, at least like catch-wise targets. He had more touchdowns and stuff last year. Three touchdowns is going to inflate his numbers. But what he has done these first two weeks is so unbelievably impressive. Like today, I know he's going against kind of backup guys. He had 12 catches for 148 yards and three touchdowns last week, though. You can't say he's only feasting on guys who are inferior opponents because last week he did it against Jalen Ramsey. And I know Jalen Ramsey might not be the player that he was a few years ago, but he's still an elite corner. Stefan Diggs has completely changed the dynamic of the Buffalo Bills since he got here. And it's not just about what he does on the field. It's about all of the things he does in the locker room. It's about the attitude that he gives this team. I know the viral video is him pointing to himself saying I'm him I'm him he is that dude like he is Josh is the face of this franchise but Stefan Diggs is right behind him let's also throw some love at the offensive line for the protection of Josh tonight he really wasn't under much duress to be honest with you and the job they did on Jeffrey Simmons to make sure that he wasn't a game wrecker. I think that they got, that goes right to the heart of Aaron Cromer and the type of coach he is. Um, but the Bills two weeks in a row now, Aaron Donald, Jeffrey Simmons, they really don't have much of an effect on the game. Josh did have one sack tonight, 38 attempts, only one sack, but really he wasn't under pressure very much. He didn't even have to run that much. No, he didn't. And also that was without Mitch Morris for pretty much the whole first half. He left, like you mentioned with the, um, was it shoulder elbow? So, you know, they kind of, had to go into the, it was because it was Van Roten, right? Who got most of those snaps? Yeah, Greg Van Roten uh, went in for him. And after the game, I asked Mitch about having a guy who has so much experience. Greg Van Roten's been in this league, what, like 10 years? And he said, and you should have seen his face. He goes, that guy helps me so much. He goes, my sounding board. He's seen a lot of football. So I think that's a big reason the Bills wanted a guy like that, to be able to back up um, Mitch Morris. And it really, it came in handy tonight. Yeah, so, I mean, and he picked the Titans apart. Like he had the time and that was the thing. Like last week was all get it out of your hands so fast. And there was a time, some of that this week, because he was getting such good protection. He could hold on to the ball a little bit longer. He could let plays develop down the field and he could stretch the field a little bit. And I think that the perfect blend is being able to do both. Like, because there are games when your offensive line isn't going to be as solid and it's weird. Cause it's kind of the opposite of what they had last year. Like last year at the beginning of the season, the offensive line really struggled. Now Deion Dawkins was coming back from COVID and you know, Daryl Williams and John Feliciano maybe didn't play up to the level that they were anticipating that they would this year. The offensive line has started really, really well. There will be injuries. Like we saw it with basically every other position on the field tonight, like there will be injuries and then the pressure is going to become an issue at times. But for right now, they're doing a very commendable job. And I think that's a really good sign because I do think that that's something that they struggled with at times last year. All right. We'll talk about the defense, but I want to, 
talk about the special teams before I head off this segment because they also contributed in a big way tonight, including a muffed punt uh, recovery by Tyrell Dodson. And after the game, he said, coaches are always saying, if you're running down the field fast, good things can happen. And that's a great example. I mean, he ran down the field fast. It was a muff. He got to it just before it went out of bounds. Uh, they made a big contribution tonight. Jameson Crowder's been excellent as a punt returner so far. He's done a really nice job. Solid. And, of course, Tyler Bass has just been the consistent Tyler Bass we know of. And Sam Martin's a weapon. Sam Martin is, of course, you know, he is just leading to flipping the field and turnovers because it wasn't just the one muff. They had a second muff, but the Titans recovered that one. So it stinks that we had to finally see a punt, but my goodness, was it entertaining when they actually had to do that. So special teams are really, really strong day for that. And that just shows how dominant of a day it was. I mean, it was 41, seven. We could really pick any third of the game. We can talk about offense. We can talk about defense. We can talk about special teams. They dominated in every single category. The Bills win 41-7 to over the Tennessee Titans. And by the way, you were saying number one seed last year. Now they've made the number one seed of last year two and a half games behind them because Tennessee's 0-2. The AFC South is bad, Matt. The Jacksonville Jaguars are in first place in the AFC South. Think about that. Think about the potential of a Josh Allen versus Josh Allen playoff game that we could get later in the year if the Jags actually make the playoffs. Because also, by the way, like the Titans, obviously, they just got their teeth kicked in. The Colts look like they stink. I don't know what's going on there. I'm assuming that they're going to turn things around. But, like, who would you pick to win that division right now? I think I'd pick the Colts still. It's on, They're 0-2. They look horrible. But I just think there's too much talent there that, to keep that lying to where they are right now. And the rest of the division is just not very good. 41-7, to the Bills take care of the Titans tonight. Let's talk about the defense next. Well, it was the defense that came to play tonight here at Highmark Stadium as well. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. Thanks for downloading, subscribing wherever you are, iTunes, Spotify, however you listen, Odyssey app. Uh, We appreciate that. We appreciate you subscribing, throwing us a nice rating, and giving us a nice review. So please do that as we come at you at, uh, what time is it now? 12.21 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Um, The Bills wrap up here on Monday night football. Beautiful night here at the stadium in Orchard Park. The defense, Matt, the first drive of the game for the Titans. Let me find the actual drive stats here. First drive of the game for the Titans, 12 plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Okay. The rest of the game, for the game, in its entirety, the Titans had a total of 187 yards. So that means they had 112 yards after the first drive. Kudos to us. A couple of people in journalism, we did that mental math yeah, very, very, quick, very quickly. Yes. So I think it was a slow start out of the gate. Also, there was a total obvious false start on that Derrick Henry touchdown that wasn't called, whatever that happens in the NFL all the time. It was weird because at the beginning it looked like the bills weren't getting pressure and it looked like Tannehill was just picking them apart. And then really after that, and even into the next drive, the Titans looked pretty good. They had a penalty that I think backed them up too far and that kind of killed their momentum. And then they ultimately had to punt. But after that, Then the pressure started. Derrick Henry got nothing going. I mean, Derrick Henry had 13 carries for 25 yards. He averaged less than two yards a carry in this game. And I think it was also a result of, like, the Bills got so far ahead that they had to kind of abandon the run. They had to try and stretch the field, and that's when the Bills were able to force turnover. So, really, there were a lot of layers to it. They were able to pressure Tannehill and make him make some bad decisions. Now, they didn't get a ton of sacks like they did against the Rams, but they had a few timely ones, which is, of course, good. They created the turnover. And after those first two drives,
games, they didn't let the Titans get into any rhythm. And I think that's where this game changed. I don't even, I don't know the snap count yet. We'll wait till tomorrow. I mean, they did all this without having to really let Von Miller even have to play that much. We can just back off on him, right? I mean, that's the dream, which is they love to rotate guys, but we know they signed Von to all this money. But towards the end of the game, I'm like, yeah, I mean, Von Miller played well. I mean, he made a couple, he had a really nice tackle for a loss. He got close to Tannehill, didn't sack him, but you didn't even need him kind of as the game went on, which is amazing. They were still playing with their front four, doing what they normally do. But I think the linebackers especially came to play. Matt Milano, a pick six. He played a fantastic football game. He had the uh, the play he, I think he got injured on, the, he had the stinger, was just a great tackle he made, I think, on Haskins in the open field. Haskins a big guy, just like Derrick Henry. And then, of course, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, a lot of focus on him last year when these two teams played. He did not play a good game. Uh, tonight, right away, gets that sack, and, and I thought he played a good game as well. He did. And I do, I, f- I feel bad for Tremaine Edmonds because of what happened to Dane Jackson. Like that's obviously a very unfortunate situation that, you know, he was ultimately the one that kind of made the contact with him because that's going to take away from a really great game from him. Both of the linebackers were outstanding in this game. They were a big reason why the Titans couldn't get anything going with their running game. They were hitting their gaps. They were aggressive. They were hitting, they, they were just making the plays that really good linebackers make. And sometimes it feels like when they miss them, like Tremaine Edmonds, especially sometimes it feels like maybe he overcommits or he waits a split second too long before he's ultimately shooting out of the cannon to go make that play. And today he was there doing it. And also, by the way, they did this. They held the Titans to seven points without Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, and still without Tredavious White and Dane Jackson, basically for an entire half of the game. So they held them to seven points with rookie corners. And I would say, a, a very, you know, a rotation of defensive tackles that aren't your best defensive tackle or maybe even your second best defensive tackle. So it was, it was really impressive, really, from top to bottom. The defense overall played a great game. Um, they had individually a couple of big-time plays, including Matt Milano, the other one, Jordan Poyer, his second interception of the year, and he should have had another one. He kind of had it goes off his hands a little high in the end zone. But how about Jordan Poyer, a guy that, He'd love to have a contract. The Bills haven't given him one. That hasn't worked out yet, but he just goes out there and he just keeps making plays. First team all pro last year. And again, comes up with a big interception. Maybe the Bills aren't giving him a contract because they know how good he plays when he's pissed off and they see what they've done these first two games. And they're like, let's just keep on doing this because he's playing out of his mind right now. And then we'll give him a contract. We've always said, like, are you going to give a contract? Are you going to give that much money to a safety who's on the wrong side of 30? But my goodness, can he still play? He still's got it. So, and he means so much to this team. He's a leader on the defense. He's him and Micah just kind of are as they go, the defense goes. So he's been out. And Michael was really, really good too, until he left this game hurt. So I know Poyer probably wants that first one that he didn't intercept back because they ultimately scored a touchdown a couple plays later, but he made up for it with that crazy interception. He had looks like we're going to, you know, see Christian Benford and Kyrie Elam a lot going forward. If assuming that Dane Jackson won't be able to play at least in the, in the immediate um, aftermath of that unfortunate injury, obviously. So that'll be interesting, but so far so good. Again, the two rookie corners, I thought again, tonight acclimated themselves. Well, um, not that they were threatened too much by this type particular receiving core, but I think the returns have been good, but man, the test is next week with these guys. They've looked really good, Matt, but now it gets very, very real for them. Yeah, it does. I was watching a lot of the dolphins game yesterday against the Ravens in Waddles, 
unbelievable. Like he is so good. And I, this is not to take anything away from Tua. He played a really good game. But when you've got weapons like Waddle and like Tyreek Hill, you've got the fastest wide receiver combination in the league. Like they're going to get behind some defenses. Now, the thing that's so interesting about the Bills is that's what they've been so good at defensively is not letting teams hit them over the top for these big plays. But maybe the most important guy for that is Micah Hyde. And now we don't know what his status is going into this game. We know that obviously they don't have Tredavious White for two more weeks. This will be a massive test for Benford and for Elam. But I think in this game, they both looked like they just made smart plays. They had open field tackles a couple times. They didn't let things get behind them. They are going to get beat at times. This is just the reality of being a rookie in the NFL. It will not always go perfect. It's just making sure that they can be consistent and making sure that they're making more plays than they're giving up. They really could use, obviously, Ed Oliver and Tim Settle coming back. This isn't a team that's going to run the ball a ton against them, the Miami Dolphins. They have really struggled to run the ball, but those are two big losses, and of course, we'll have to keep updated on what uh, the status of Jordan Phillips is, but to wrap up on the defense, I said, I think we said it on the podcast here during training camp, Matt, I thought this was the best defense I'd seen from the Bills in training camp in my time covering them. Like I thought their defense in training camp looked just incredible from top to bottom, outstanding. And here we are again, two games in, they allow 10 points to the Super Bowl champs, followed by seven points to the number one seed in the AFC in the AFC last year, a total of 17 points allowed through two games. I got a question for you. Given how great the defense has been, should they make a call to Joe Hayden? You think now's the time? Um, I don't, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but he's not going to play right away, right? You got to get him onboarded. You got to get him to learn the system. So I don't think that's necessary right now. If they, if they really do lose Micah Hyde for a while, then you're looking at a safety more than a corner. As far as Dane, I think that it, that depends on when you think Tredavious is going to come back. So maybe, I guess, I wouldn't close the door. Joe Hayden or somebody else who's out there you think that can come in. They don't have a ton of money in the salary cap, but I wouldn't close the door on them having to do something like that. No, I just think it's an interesting thing because they've really leaned on veteran corners in years past. Like, obviously, Levi Wallace, Josh Norman. Um, who was the dude from Houston? Kevin Johnson? Yes, when he came in. Yep. Yes. Another one of those veteran corners. So, like... It's something that they've used in the past. I wouldn't put it past them to kind of search and see what's out there right now. But And that's not to take away from Benford and from Elam. It's just more like you need bodies because right now, you know, you had Dane Jackson go to the hospital today in an ambulance. Tredavious White is still unavailable for at least two more weeks. You're probably going to need to get him acclimated and caught up once he is able to practice again. So it's just kind of having those different options in case of emergency because if Elam or Benford were to get hurt, Who's next up? Is it Saran? Is that probably where they're going? Um, Cam Lewis also, right? I mean, yeah, they'd have to dip into guys that, I mean, Cam Lewis was inactive again today, right? Was he, or did he play? No, he was active, right? He didn't play though. I have to go back and look to make sure, but either way, that would be something they do. They have Jamarcus Ingram, but yeah, you're right. In fact, that's a good segue. We can answer some questions. You tweeted out tonight that we were doing the uh, podcast, and some people came right away. We had 34 replies right away about uh, that I'm looking like within 10, 15 minutes. People are juiced up. People are juiced up because they can't sleep after the game. (laughs) Neither can we. So we're going to do this, and it's a good segue because Jeff M says, do the Bills reach out to any free agents with all the injuries? So there you go. There you go. Right? Yeah. So that's why I wanted to say. That was really good. Um, Here's one. I like this. It says, um, the big dumb QV haver. All right, like that. Uh, we know the wide receivers versus the secondary will get a lot of focus next week, but how does the Bills D line match up with the Dolphins O line? And my response would be I think the Bills D line matches up better 
against anybody as long as they're healthy. The Dolphins' O line has is better this year, but I don't think they're world beaters. And I think the Bills' defensive line should be able to have the advantage in that game. But again, here's the caveat. If they're healthy, especially. Yeah. I mean, Armstead's great. Like they went out and they tried to solidify one side of their line. And, you know, up to this point, it seems like that has worked because Tua has been outstanding and the offense has put up a bunch of points. If the bills are more healthy than they were today. So like if they have a full complement of Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, Von Miller, the rest of the defensive ends, I think the bills could have a really strong day with their defensive line because last year they did. And that was one of the biggest reasons why the bills were able to shut them out 35, nothing in that second game of the year, despite a kind of slow day for the offense. I know that the dolphins are much improved since that game has happened, but the bills defensive line has been very impressive up to this point. I think that's been one of the biggest reasons why they've only given up 17 points in two games. Here's one that two different people have tweeted us. Stefan, uh, MV and M Van Harrison, M Van Harrison at M Van Harrison. Stefan is the screen name. And I want to get who else did this because someone else tweeted in the same thing. Um, basically asking if about Zach Moss and why the team continues to go to Zach Moss. And if maybe the Zach Moss experiment should end, I don't think so. I think they like Zach Moss. They, they think he's just part of the, a piece of the puzzle, I guess that makes this running game whole. Now I agree that he's not like walking into the hall of fame tomorrow, but it seems like, this running back group is more about the sum than the parts. And they feel that, you know, he's a big part of the parts. Yeah. And it also goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like they didn't run the ball effective right. at all today and they still put up 41 points against the Titans. So I think that it does matter, especially in those short yardage situations. I also kind of agree that with the questions like Devin Singletary is, I think their most effective running back in almost like every aspect until we see more from James Cook. Like we saw a lot of that in garbage time today, but until we see more from him and until we see more consistency from Zach Moss, I think Singletary should be the guy that they lean on when they do want to get involved with their running backs. You have any over there? You have any questions you want to get to that you're uh, pulling up? Yeah. I mean, Jason fair channel seven employee, by the way, asks how will potential lack of depth at corner hold up against Waddle and Hill next week? I mean, I think it's a really, a very real concern. I agree. I think though, what you'll see is the game plan will be dictated by knowing this, right? Which is what they normally do. Keep everything in front of you. Don't get beat deep. You're probably going to see more of a shell up top, but here's the issue with that. I have, if you do that, if you do that, that kind of goes counterintuitive, counterintuitive the way you want to normally play Tua, which I think is to blitz him, make him get rid of the ball because he holds onto the ball a little bit. He has a little bit of a maybe slower motion mm-hmm. and, Last year they did. They were aggressive. So if you're going to be aggressive, then that's going to leave guys out there one-on-one if he's going to throw it down the field. Maybe that's what they do, though, Matt. Maybe they say, look, we'll be aggressive and make them throw the ball early because we'd rather have them get the ball early than get the ball late down the field. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it is their biggest test. But I also think that given the rest of the pieces on the defense, that they'll get some help. I don't think that Sean McDermott is going to leave those guys out to dry against those people. Like you watch the game against the Ravens and like those Ravens secondaries where they were like looking around. They're like, what the heck is going on as people are just running behind them. So I don't think that that's going to happen. Here's an interesting one. And this is more probably for you than it is for me because you were on the sideline and I was up in the press box. Lord said, was that a top five bills home game or what? And I couldn't really get a great feel of the atmosphere. It feels like the injuries kind of dampens the spirit of the game, especially after the Dane Jackson injury. You're just kind of like, oh, my gosh, like that's very terrible when that happens. But what was the atmosphere like? It was amazing. Obviously, you know, pregame was very emotional because um, we haven't even mentioned they honored the um, 
mass shooting victims uh, of the tops mass shooting. And um, Bruce Smith was on the field. He was very emotional. He did that. It was great. And then Marv Levy did Where Else Would You Rather Be <laughs> right here right now, which was very cool. Jim Kelly was uh, the legend of the game. Uh, the atmosphere was great. It was so loud. You know what? I want to thank the Buffalo Bills, actually, Matt. I want to thank the Buffalo Bills tonight. I will thank them for getting to the blowout very quickly so that my eight-year-old son could leave the stadium and still get home on time to have a good night's sleep for school. Well, I'm glad that they were thinking of him because Max didn't get a half day like a lot of other kids did in the area at districts like Orchard Park and Frontier. So they wanted to make sure that they could get him home, get him a full night's sleep and uh, make sure that you don't have to deal with a very cranky eight-year-old tomorrow morning. A couple other questions here. Um, Have you ever heard the stadium so quiet yet so loud in one game? Loved it. What a home opener to be at. And that's exactly off of what we were just talking about. The memorial at the beginning of the game for the victims families. And then of course the injury. So it was a pregame. I was done on the field. I was done on the field till about a half an hour before the game started. And just the energy is just like, it's just wild. I love being down there. I do. You know, I mean, that's everybody always asks me about, you know, what's the favorite part of your job. It's that it's being on the sidelines of an NFL game, you know, and you've been down there and uh, you've seen it, you've been around it. You know what it's like. I need that. It's in my DNA. I need the adrenaline rush. I need to be a part of that. And um, I just, I love being down there in that atmosphere. Being up here is great because it's a great job to have, but it's, to me, it's like, it's so sterile. I would go crazy. Right. Like I, I just, it's weird. And that's the thing that a lot of people I don't think realize, even like the person who shot the game for channel seven tonight, James, it was his first time shooting a regular season game. And I asked him like, how loud was it out there? And he kind of like looked at me confused because he was like, you were in the stadium too. You didn't get a sense of that. But the press box, there's these glass windows in front. It's very, it's not soundproof, but you can just kind of hear like, little rumbles you can hear like a little bit so like when josh hits stefan Diggs for a deep touchdown you hear the fans go nuts but it's not anything even remotely close and i'll say this is still like the covid year when there was nobody in the stadium at all it was just pin drop silent in the press box there's an announcer what's his you know him what's his name brendan mcdaniels Brendan sits here. He's like, he's the, he, to, to give listeners an idea, he's the, up in the press box, he's the PA announcer for the press box where he says, like, Zach Moss for three yards so that, so that you guys know what happened on the play. Yeah, there was a hearty chuckle when he said, Sam Martin coming out to punt for the Bills because we're like, wow, we haven't heard that before. Uh, so, no, but like the press box, it's a very different vibe. Obviously, like, we're working, we're writing, we're typing, we're doing whatever we've got to do, but it does take a lot of the energy out of it, which is why pregame is so important. Um, I will say, I got to give a shout out to my colleague, Olivia Proya. She commented, number one fan to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Uh, I think there's a little hint of sarcasm there, but I made her like and subscribe to the podcast the day that we announced it because she was next to me at work. So I was like, hey, I need your phone so I can like and subscribe this podcast. I love it. I think she also tweeted because it's always game day when you said we're doing a uh, pod. It's always game day, Olivia. It's always game day. Um, and then a couple other ones. How can Josh Allen be considered a serious MVP contender? This is from Philip. If he's taken out after three quarters. And honestly... If that's why I didn't choose him. Well, I mean, listen, it is why I chose Justin Herbert. I, I picked Justin Herbert to win the MVP. And my reasoning was, well, why not Josh? I said, because I don't think Josh will have to put up the numbers. Justin Herbert has to, he's going to be ahead more in games. They're going to, they're not going to have to put the foot on the gas a lot. And he might even come out. And that's exactly what's happening, Matt. Well, I think of a lot of times I'd like to like two is going to win the AFC offensive player of the week this this week, as he should, like he was phenomenal. The numbers are outstanding, but if this was a close game, 
I think it's realistic that Josh could have got to six passing touchdowns or like five touchdowns with no turnovers. And then you make the case like, is that a better game than what Tua did? And it's not like he deserves it, whatever. But I thought about that at some point today. I'm like, well, he's going to just have to live with the four passing touchdowns and the 326 yards or whatever it was. But he did it in like two and a half quarters, which is just bonkers. Anything else you got going on there? Um, We can kind of wrap up here and then what we're going to do is we're going to have another pod later in the week we'll give you everybody the Bills schedule so they know um, we're assuming you're going to listen to this on Tuesday or so uh, the Bills normally in a regular week would have a Wednesday practice a Thursday practice um, a Friday late practice this week because of the late game here um, they're not going to have a big media they're not going to have a big practice on Wednesday the media is at they might do something you know walk through whatever we won't we'll just have Sean McDermott we can talk to over Zoom and then Thursday will be your normal big practice and then Friday they'll have another you know, light walkthrough. So it looks like they're going to kind of back off a little bit earlier in the week uh, when they get it back on the field. What is your, as we close this out, what is your biggest takeaway from this game as we shift focus now towards the Dolphins? And it's just how I opened it. I really believe, Matt, they are the best team in the NFL. And if they play a clean football game, they can beat anybody and will beat anybody. The only way they're losing games is by making the kinds of mistakes they actually made against the Rams or the Titans and compounding it maybe with a couple more or a team just takes more advantage of them because the Rams really didn't and the Titans didn't because the Bills were sloppy in a few areas tonight. But I just cannot. They are the best team in the NFL. If they stay healthy, they should be the Super Bowl favorites all year. I agree, and I'll take it one step further. I think Josh Allen might be the best player in the NFL. I love it. He's really good. He's amazing. Like When they have him, they all, even on days when you've got injuries, you've got all this stuff that's going on, when you have him, you have a chance. And when he plays games like this, and he plays games like he did against the Rams, they will always have a chance. And he is just entering the prime of his career. So, of course, the expectations for this year are so big, and this is the best window that they're ever going to have to win a Super Bowl. But he's also still 26. They're going to have this for a while because he is that guy. And so is Stefan Dix. Like, that combination is dangerous. Even Tyreek Hill was tweeting about it during the game. He's like, the Allen and Dix combo is unfair. He's playing them in six. Wait, I don't see. I can't I can't see this stuff during the game. Yeah, so so like, what happened? Tell me about this. Tyreek Hill is just like tweeting. Let me see exactly what he said. But it was just like Allen and Diggs is unfair. And you said Odell Beckham was tweeting during the game again about the Buffalo Bills. It's amazing. Tyreek Hill. Allen and Diggs connection is crazy. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's like everybody, they're must-see TV. Like, they just, in the plays that they, the first one is going to get lost in the shuffle. But at the end of the first half, right before the Dane Jackson injury, it's fourth and one. Josh is running. There's nothing there. He has to turn around, throw it across his body, finds digs in the back of the end zone. Like, there are very few players in the league who can make that play. I think Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable. But. Like the list is him and Josh pretty much maybe Rogers in his prime, but it's pretty much it. And like Burrow is really, really good. Justin Herbert is outstanding. He is going to be such a good player in the league. But right now, if I'm building a team, I'm building it around number 17 and the bills have that guy. He made a throw tonight where he was flat footed and threw it sidearm. And you would think it was like any other quarterback, like would have had to kind of put pinpoint stand up straight in the pocket, make this pass. It was flat footed sidearm off balance. It was insane. And it was right down the middle of Stefan Diggs. He made the catch. We're very lucky to be seeing and watching Josh Allen here in Buffalo. And Bills fans are lucky to have him for a long time. As you said, because as long as number 17 is here, this team will have a chance to win a Super Bowl. I'm still not used to it. I'm still not used to like watching it. There've been a lot of these games over the years where it's Thad Lewis, Matt Castle, 
like guys who journeyman NFL quarterbacks. And, uh, it's still just it's wild how dare you forget about jeff tool all right so for matt uh, i'm sal in fact i won't see for you i won't say that what anything else any last words today as we head on out here at 12 43 a.m on tuesday to say good night to everybody no but i need um something to listen to for the ride home to keep me up what should what should i listen to what kind of music well, you don't want to get too heavy because, you know, you're, um, you know, you're driving home and you want to just kind of relax. And Are you trying to chill out a little bit before you go? No, I want to rage. I want to rage. I might, like, throw some Metallica on for the drive home. I know you're a drummer. That might get me I going. Am, but how about, um, how about um, Limp Biscuit? No, no. Not going to do that? No Fred Durst? No, that was, like, a little before me. Like, I have no interest in, like, anything Limp Biscuit. Metallica was even before that. Yeah, no, but, like, Metallica is, like... They're legendary. Limbiscuit is like very generous. Okay, like do you listen to Metallica though, right? Or do you like not listen to them? Not like regularly, no. I'm just saying like I like a lot of their stuff and it would definitely keep me awake. Okay. Well, I'm a big Iron Maiden fan. Okay. Do some Iron Maiden tonight on the way home. Okay. Run to the hills, the trooper. Do the trooper tonight. Okay. Oh, it's great. All right. I will do something. I will report back at our next podcast when we talk about the Dolphins, about the Iron Maiden that I listen you, to. You need to listen to Iron Maiden. That's what he, that's your job on the way home tonight. All right. Thanks a lot, folks, for uh, hanging out on this pod with us. I'm Sal. He's Matt. Always Game Name Buffalo. WGR Sports Radio 550. Channel 7 WKBW-TV here in Buffalo. We'll talk to you again later in the week before the Bills take on the Dolphins.